630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. All right, so uh, here's what I can tell you. The Toronto Maple Leafs have won 4-3 in Philadelphia. So they have the same number of points as the Oilers. The Oilers have uh, the tiebreaker. The Leafs are going to close it out at New Jersey on Saturday. So if the Leafs get more points than the Oilers on Saturday, the Oilers finish last. If the Oilers get the same number of points or more, They'll finish 29th. The Oilers do have the tiebreaker. Other scores, Penguins wind up winning in Washington, 4-3 in overtime. The uh, Canadians get a 4-2 win over Carolina. The Islanders dump the Rangers 4-1. Tampa Bay beats New Jersey 4-2. Boston over Detroit 5-2. Tonight, Bruins keeping their playoffs hopes alive. Jets and Sharks later on, same with the Ducks and the Kings. Vancouver and Calgary tied 2-2 early in the second period. Dallas beating Colorado 3-zip. Chicago over St. Louis uh, 1-0. That's late in the second period. Uh, Stars and Avalanche also late in the second period. Coyotes and Predators 2-0 for Arizona early in the third. Late in the third, Ottawa trying to close out Florida. It is 3-1. Inside Sports on 630 Ched. You can text 630-630, the email inside sports at 630 Ched. Dot com. Well, the Oil Kings were uh, hoping to extend it the other night against the Brandon Wheat Kings, but uh, Brandon really asserting themselves, and they won it 10-3 to close out that series. Oil Kings general manager Randy Hanch joining us now. Randy, thanks for making time for us tonight. I know it's uh, always busy when your team's season ends. Uh, how are you doing? Uh, not too bad, thanks, Reed. Yeah, good to have you back on the show, and I wish we could be talking about uh, an appearance here in, in the second round, but... Uh, you know, obviously a, a tough end to a, a series when you see a lopsided score like that. But uh, overall, how do you think uh, your team stood up to a very good Wheat King squad? Well, I, I think our playoff season actually started probably the Tuesday before the series itself with our, our you know, our tiebreaker game we had in Medicine Hat. Uh, uh, we went in there, uh, you know, with a playoff mindset and uh, packed and ready to move on to uh, Brandon and and the guys, you know, uh, performed very well. It was uh, obviously a tough game that uh, we got behind early, and, and then even the hat tied it up uh, for all uh, in the third. So we kind of started off there uh, with our playoff journey and then uh, went on into Brandon, and we know had a very good uh, first two games there. Uh, I thought the first game was really good. Our second game, uh, probably Peyton stole it for us, uh, along with, you know, we had timely scoring and, and plays, and then uh, came back here for three, and, uh, you know what, uh, we're playing a very good Brandon team that, uh, you know, we're hopefully, you know, trying to catch uh, off guard and uh, got to game three, which I think probably was the major swing game. And, uh, you know, we're, we're in it, uh, you know, obviously got into a little bit of penalty trouble and uh, against a very good power play. And, and uh, you know, unfortunately, like I said, our, our guys, you know, killed off, you know, quite a few, uh, probably quite a few extra ones and uh, in the second period and, and then uh, in the end, that uh, you know, just too many opportunities and Brandon capitalized, and that that was probably the the swing game that changed things in the series. Uh, then Thursday was probably a bit of a tough game just because of uh, uh, what we exhausted, you know, killing those penalties and uh, the game itself the night before. And uh, Sunday was tight, 
uh, you know, with a one-goal game uh, late in third, and, and then they got the two empty netters. So it, uh, it was tough. Then we got to Brandon, and they were rolling. And uh, like I said, by the time we got to Brandon, lost two guys in the first period. We ended up be, being down four guys. So that, that made it be a tougher challenge. But in saying that, uh, overall, uh, obviously the result wasn't there, but uh, the effort was. And, uh, you know, the effort combined with the growth of uh, the players in the program, but uh, that's what we got to look at. Randy, talk to me a little bit about the, the goaltending position because, uh, you know, obviously it, it, it didn't turn out the way you hoped. Uh, Alec Dillon got injured. Um, Patrick Day got injured late in, late in the season. And I know Peyton Lee played really well for you guys, but he was a guy you had to pick up uh, uh, along the way. Maybe just t- tell me a little bit about the, 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 the challenges in net and, and how uh, some of the guys that had to step up uh, were able to do that. Well, it was, like I think Hamby puts it best, it was certainly an interesting goaltending uh, year there uh, for us. You know, we had uh, Alec and uh, uh, Patrick uh, starting off with, and, you know, Alec came down with his injury early, so we kind of lost the potential number one guy there, and, and then uh, Patrick uh, Day uh, took over and, you know, really had some good uh, growth in his, uh, in, in his development this year and kind of established the number one role and, uh, but in the meantime, when we had that gap there, we thought it was important to get some more depth and experience, and we did that with Peyton. And, you know, Peyton's always had uh, a lot of potential. Uh, it was just probably more of a situation where where he probably needed a change and a fresh start. So, you know, he came in uh, and, and, quite frankly, came in with a, with a great attitude. Uh, that's where Peyton's at. Uh, he's a great kid and has a solid attitude and uh, fit him well to our program and, you know, waited for his opportunity. And, and then once it started to come, then him and Patrick were kind of going back and forth a bit, which was good. They both uh, provided uh, a bit of a challenge, but also support. And then uh, uh, Patrick went down with an injury. And so then uh, it was obviously handed over to Peyton. And uh, I, I think in the end, uh, uh, once he got consistently going, you know, took his game to another level. And uh, he, he certainly gave us a chance every night in, in the series in Brandon. So we were quite pleased with his uh, development. Well, Kings General Manager Randy Hanch joining us inside sports on 630. Chet, uh, tell me a little bit about uh, the, the players that are going to be uh, departing your team and, and some of the holes they're going to create in the lineup. Yeah, well, we're going through that today with uh, a lot of the exit meetings and uh, conversing with the players and, uh, just, you know, obviously your three 20-year-olds, uh, Ben Carroll, Luke Berlucci, and Brandon Baddock. Uh, you know, obviously those uh, three individuals have graduated and uh, been with us uh, since day one of their careers, which is pretty special to have. And uh, I know Benny's uh, going to go on to better things along with Berto. And same with uh, Brandon. You know, unfortunately for uh, Brandon there, he probably didn't uh, finish the way he wanted with uh, getting injured in, uh, early in the first period there. Uh, game six and uh, wasn't able to continue but he uh, credit to him he wanted to be on the bench after he was diagnosed and uh, just stay there with the guys and so those three guys are going to be you know obviously missed and then uh, you get to your 19 year olds and uh, you know Dyson Mayo's already gone to uh, Springfield today uh, Arizona called him up there along with Rick Paul went to Stockton so we'll have those two players uh, Aaron Irving's you know going to join Milwaukee and see uh, what happens there, and then obviously the uh, graduation of Derek Meyer uh, back to uh, the European League. Right. Uh, have you ever had a player whose NHL rights was traded uh, during a game like you had during your uh, hockey hooky game this year? Yeah, it's funny. Not uh, not uh, during a game itself, like we're called, but 
Uh, I've had a couple situations, you know, with actually we had one one with Robin Regeer when we were in Kamloops there, uh, and Jared Allen. Robin got traded to uh, Denver, I believe, it was in the Theo Fleury uh, deal. I was from uh, Colorado to Calgary, and obviously started his career there and, and uh, had a pretty good career there. And then uh, Jared Allen was with, uh, uh, I, I believe, uh, Denver also got traded to Colorado. I'm uh, sorry, got traded to Los Angeles in, in a deal. So we kind of got through it, but uh, not uh, during the game itself and not during uh, the hockey hooky. It, uh, things were kind of lighting up pretty pretty uh, quick during the game, and then we had some calls from the agents and teams, and we figured something was up. But I, I think Brent did too because uh, he said that the cameras were following around more than uh, normal between periods, so he had a feeling something was up. Yeah, I think it was Gene Principe that tipped them off. <laughs> People don't know this story. Brett Pollock was traded from uh, – Dallas to Calgary as part of the Chris Russell trade while the Oil Kings were playing a game uh, during the uh, the trade deadline. Randy, just uh, I mean it's going to be exciting with the Memorial Cup right here in Alberta. Um, just give us a sense of the uh, I mean hopefully Edmonton gets it someday, but the significance of, of Red Deer being able to host the tournament this year. Well, it's a pretty special tournament, and uh, you know I, I think it's great for the city of Red Deer and the province of Alberta. Uh, uh, it's it's pretty uh, pretty special tournament to have and. Uh, it's going to be a lot of excitement, uh, and then I think it's just, it's a great junior market there, uh, as in, as is Edmonton and Calgary. So I know Alberta's going to support it well, along with Red Deer, and to have that tournament back out west in Alberta, you know, first time in a long, long time, is uh, pretty special. And uh, uh, you know, obviously, wish Red Deer and uh, anyone else from the Western Hockey League the best of luck that uh, they get there. Right on. Well, Randy, thanks for making time for us as uh, as we wrap up your season, and you guys are always great to deal with throughout the year as well. Wish it could have been another round or two, but uh, I thought you guys played pretty hard against Brandon nonetheless. Good to have you on the show again. Hey, Reed, appreciate it, and uh, thanks anytime. Right on. That is Randy Hanch checking in tonight. He is the general manager of the Edmonton Oil Kings. It is 8.15. This is Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, good to have you along for the ride tonight. Tell you what, I, when we get back, I, I'm going to flash back to uh, something we had on at last summer, but but it but it, it it ties into the to the closing, not the closing, the Oilers' final game at Rexall Place last night because it has to do with the wave. We'll tell you how. Hi, this is Taylor Hall from Your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 6:30. Chad. This has to be one of my top five favorite songs of all time. One of the greatest videos of the 1980s. Rick Ocasek, why the long face? Oh, I'd say one of the greatest videos of all time of the 80s was AHA's Take On Me. Yeah, so that this was a song's great better, though. You're right, it is. Way better song. Cars are a great band. I got their greatest hits. So. You, know, you know who produced this song? The hit maker, Mutt Lang. I was about to say his name because everything he touches turns to record gold. Got a uh, couple of text messages here. Topher Allen says uh, Saturday might be the only time since Clark and Gilmore that I'll cheer for the Leafs. If nothing more than to see the you-know-what storm if the Oilers finish last and get first overall again. All the humanity, LOL. That is from Topher Allen. Uh, well, I mean, the Oilers could get the first overall pick even without finishing last. They finished third last last year, but they will have the highest odds, obviously. 
Uh, Topher Allen's funny. This texter says, uh, hey, Reed, love the show. Just wondering if you know if the oil derrick, where the Oilers come out, is going to the new building or do they have something else planned? Uh, I got to tell you, I, I don't know any, any details confirmed for the pregame presentation for the Edmonton Oilers. I, I would imagine they'll have maybe a new oil derrick or something similar. I, I can't see why they wouldn't get rid of that tradition or something along the same lines. You know, the same sort of theme as that tradition. I do know the games will look differently, Matthew, because the benches are going to be opposite the TV camera. Rexall placed the only NHL rink where the benches were on the same side as the, as the main camera angle. Did you know that? I did. Every, everything else, the penalty box is on the quote-unquote near side as you're looking at the, at the game, and the benches are on the far side. So now the new building will conform to that. I uh, got a couple tweets here to my at uh, Reed Wilkins account. Chris from Phoenix says uh, to Kelly Rudy, if we can't boo the players, he's not allowed to criticize them either. And uh, Leah tweeting me, she says, of course you would agree with Kelly Rudy. You never disagree with any of the media and your knowledge is questionable. That's a tweet to uh, at Reed Wilkins. All right, 780-496-0063 is the phone number. So one of the, the storylines here, well, I don't know if it's a huge storyline, but um, the wave, you know what the wave is. Yep. Where did it start? Now, did last summer, do you remember when Crazy George was on the show? Yeah. I don't know if a lot of younger people would know who Crazy George is, but he was a huge... Uh, like cheerleader guy, right? Like fan interaction, doing antics and getting people to cheer and doing comedy stuff during the game, and he ran around and beat on his drum. He still works quite a bit, but he used to come to Northlands Coliseum, and there's a story that the first wave or that the wave originated at Northlands Coliseum during an Oilers game. So this was last July. I said, Crazy George, did the wave start in Edmonton? Okay, I have to admit, I, I completely forgot about doing the wave up there. And I don't know when I did it, but I know I was doing it at the Colorado Rockies games, and I was doing it in 1980. And I think right around that time is when they brought me up, and I think I did the wave that first game I did with them, and that's why Wayne Gretzky was so amazed. And I did the wave there. And that's before I take credit for it at the Oakland A's game on October 15, 1981. And the reason I give A's credit, I was actually doing it at the Colorado Rockies games. That's where I perfected it. But they never had it on video. It was never nationally televised. When I did the Oakland A's game against New York Yankees, it was a playoff game. It was nationally televised. I have it on video. And I have Joe Gargiola, the announcer, saying it was as good or better than any wave he's seen since. So that's the day I'd say I invented the wave. But I was doing the wave for two years before that, and it's logical. It might have been that that first game I did up there, and I don't know when it was. Some fan might remember. And as I tell Colorado, I'd love to give you credit if you had video of it and proof. But unfortunately... They don't, and with that, all those people at the O.A.'s game and 47,000 sold out, I still have to go with 
I invented the wave in Oakland, even though I was doing it in Colorado. And now, thinking back, I might have done it. I think I did it that first game when I did with Gretzky. So you might have done the wave even before I take credit for it other places. So what Crazy George is saying, he doesn't have the first clue where it started. <laughs> it might have been Edmonton or Colorado, but probably Oakland, but he's going to leave the door open to other cities because he doesn't want to hurt their feelings. But who who knows? It, what, what, wasn't there, a, isn't there another story that the uh, wave originated at a Mexican soccer game? Because like, there are so many stories about it. So Edmonton may have been one of the first places to embrace it. But I don't know if we were really the the first. I mean, Dale just texted in. The wave originated in the U.S. college football 30 years ago before Crazy George. Well, 30 years ago was only 86. Maybe we're talking 40 years ago, Dale. Because Crazy George, there was, there was definitely the wave in the early 1980s that I can remember. So I, I don't know if Crazy... But here's the thing. Crazy George is in the business of entertaining people and selling himself. So if he can keep the story about the wave going and where it came from and keep it a little bit ambiguous that I think it was here, but maybe it was you guys. Oh, and you guys were great fans. Clearly he's going to keep that going. But, yeah, I think Dale makes a good point. I mean, you could, probably you can go to a lot of different venues and a lot of different sports that were doing the wave or something similar. But at some point it became something we'd, we'd all seen and all knew about. Thanks for texting, Dale. Seven eight, uh, or the text line is six thirty six thirty. The phone number is seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. If you missed it, Masters today, Jordan Spieth in the lead. He shot a uh, six under sixty six. Of course, he's also the uh, defending champion. And Spieth says uh, he feels fortunate today not to have had a bogey. I feel it was extremely special to stay bogey free on a day like today at the Masters. Yeah. And he was also telling you why he enjoys playing this tournament. I enjoy this tournament more than anywhere else. Um, it's easy for us. We don't have any or many distractions in our preparation. Uh, and we enjoy that. You're able to kind of feel like you get enough done and you have enough time to do everything. And I think that's useful when we start on the first hole. All right, so that's Spieth. He is in the lead. Danny Lee, Shane Lowry, two off. They were at four under. Paul Casey, Justin Rose in a group at three under. That includes Sergio Garcia, Rory McIlroy, not far off. He has a uh, 70 on his scorecard today. He's four back. Uh, Zach, uh, uh, or pardon me, Charlie Hoffman, uh, one under, hanging around there as well. He think he had the first round lead at Augusta. Oh, there's Zach Johnson. He's even. He shot a 72. All right. Here's what we're going to do. we got the news coming up. Ian says, uh, the wave sucks. It distracts from the game. It's lame. Ian, thank you. You're probably like me and you don't like the super dogs either. Just play the game. Dan says, I remember the wave in BC Place in 1983. There you go. Pat Tabler from the Toronto Blue Jays broadcasts. Coming up, that'll be cool to have him on the show inside sports on 630 Jet.
You're listening to 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. So tomorrow we'll have Inside Sports from 6 to 8, from 8 to 9, an encore presentation, the documentary Rexall's Last Stand. My name is Reed Wilkins. We have Pat Tabler coming up, former Toronto Blue Jay, now an analyst for the team. We have an open line call, 780-496-0063. It's Ron on the line. Hey, Ron, good to hear from you. Hey, likewise, Reed. I love you guys' show. Thank you. So I, I believe that myself and a bunch of my friends were the ones that were the originators of the, the Scream High School football for after field goals. And how I remember this is because my buddies were season ticket holders for years with, the, with their parents. And I was a small-town kid, moved into Edmonton, and I used to party hard back in the day. And so when I go to football games, when they did the, I started screaming out, high school football with my buddies and then they got in on it and then our section got in on it and then by the the last quarter half of the field was going high school football and it became a staple since sorry what year was that i don't remember it was like you know i'm i'm almost 50 and so i was probably about whoa 18 oh so like we're talking late 70s even maybe like at clark still Pardon me? At Clark still or at Commonwealth? It was at Commonwealth. So a, a young Commonwealth Stadium. Well, that that's yeah. that's pretty cool. I mean, uh, yeah. We still we still comment about it. Like, we still debate it amongst ourselves that we really do believe that we were the ones that originated. And uh, I'm, I was one of those friends that you never want to bring out because I'm a loudmouth. <laughs> 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 and it turned out to be a, a staple for high school football. <laughs> Uh, you still go to Eskimos games, Ron? I live in Red Deer now, and I do. I get to one or two every year. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Now, what what did you think of the whole uh, off season changes and the new coaching staff coming in? Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> it's, it's actually, but it's also very scary too. Were you uh, like, were you fed up with Chris Jones, or did you think he's just kind of a guy who's he's going to wear off after a while, or or you just like Jason Moss? Uh, I did like Chris Jones. I think it's just the changes came a vote. I think it's just simply the business of sports. Yeah. Ron, thanks for calling, man. Good story. Yeah, thanks, Reed. That is uh, Ron checking in tonight, 780-496-0063. It is 835. Uh, Dave Campbell sat down with Pat Tabler, radio or uh, TV analyst for the uh, Toronto Blue Jays, who are off today. But I think we got somebody else. Do we have somebody else that wants to jump in here, Matthew? We can take another call. I love talking to people. I think he's getting somebody there. Uh, (laughs) Drew's View texting in. Hi, Reed. I didn't invent anything. (laughs) You must be responsible for something cool in your life, Drew. (laughs) It's Michael online, too. Hey, Michael. Hey, Reed. How's it going? I'm doing great. Hey, uh, I got a question for you. Um, You said you're having Pat, I forget his last name, from uh, Blue Jays baseball coming up? Well, here's the thing. Pat Tabler taped this with Dave Campbell in the afternoon. So if you have a, a question you want me to ask Pat, I can't, because Pat gave us a window when when I wasn't here and, and he couldn't do the evening. But anyway, go ahead. Oh, rats. Well, I was going to ask him, uh, you pro- are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, sorry, uh, I was going to ask him, uh, maybe you don't remember me, but I 
I called a couple of years ago complaining about the way baseball is televised. Oh, yes. Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah, what did you say about that? I do remember that. Well, they they zoom in on the players too much. Uh, you don't see enough of the field of what's going on. Okay. Like, uh, you know, they're always zooming in on on the home run ball going over the fence. Like, I'd, I, I would just like to see it, like, more from a fan's perspective if you were sitting in the field or sitting in the bleachers, I should say. Uh, yeah, I, 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 and I think I remember that I didn't fully agree with that because I think the beauty of TV, the beauty of TV is they want to take you closer than you can be in your seats and show emotion sometimes and stuff. I guess with a batted ball, sometimes you want the perspective of where the runner is in, in relation to the retrieve, the, the fielder retrieving the ball. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Like, uh, like, you know, like, like, you know, when the guy is at bat, like, and especially when there's a runner on base, like, you know, when that runner is getting ready to jump and steal the base, like, you know, that's exciting. Like, that's part of the game. It, it would be nice to be able to see that when the pitcher's in his windup. Oh, he's, the guy's going to steal. Like, you know, that's, to me, that's a big part of the game. Like, you were saying earlier that, well, you want to see the pitcher and the catcher because that's where the action is. Well, yeah, true, that's where part of the action is. But there's, you know, there's, seven other players on the field that you know are part of the game and the way they position themselves playing defense you know that hey if that guy's playing too far in he's going to get burnt you know like Mm -hmm. it's nice to be able to see that part of it you know it makes the game that much more exciting well the the everybody's tv is so big nowadays you could probably split the screen all the time i mean i hardly know anybody that has smaller than a 40 inch anymore right i mean exactly like like I, i would just like the option to be able to select that choice like I don't even need the commentators. Like, just let me one camera angle sit behind home plate, and I'd be happy. Like they were saying, like viewership uh, for baseball is down, and they're trying to get viewership back. Well, like let the let the fans see more of the game, and I think uh, uh, it would make it that much more enjoyable. Michael, you you make you make an interesting point. Again, I don't I don't know I don't know if I would like the way that you're suggesting that that it would work, but I wonder how other people would feel. Thanks a lot for yeah, calling, because, man. Oh, just. But, Reed, I was going to say, too, like, I think you actually owe me an apology from two years ago because after I got off the phone with you, <laughs> there was a couple of guys that called and agreed with some of the points I was making. So, well, uh, Okay. Well, we, we don't have to apologize for having a different opinion, unless I was mean to you. No, but uh, you, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well, I'm, just, I'm just kind of making a point that, uh, like, maybe some of my... You didn't agree with some of my comments, but some people did agree with me. But. Yeah, well, that's cool. Well, that means you presented them well. Michael, thanks a lot for calling again. Hey, can I make one more point? Yeah, you, go ahead. About the Kelly Rudy uh, calling out uh, Jordan Eberle? Yes. Like, uh, at the media scrum after that game, like, did anybody point-blank ask Eberle, like, why he quit skating on that two-on, like, on that two-on-two and quit skating and actually turned away from, turned away from the guy and let him score the goal? Uh, I don't remember if it happened right after the game. I don't think I interviewed Everly after that game, but he got asked point blank uh, when they did the after they got uh, the the intense practice, and he simply said he thought Osterley was going to advance the puck, so he he turned to play it ahead. That's that was his answer. Yeah, because like to me, it seems like maybe you guys just have to ask the politically correct questions. Like, how do you think you played that game? Like, I I think you guys maybe have to hire some expendable reporters to ask the tough questions, like, you know, like the expendable crew member on Star Trek. 
you know, that, uh, <laughs> the red shirts. Give that guy the tough questions to ask, and then he'll get blackballed, and nobody will want to take his questions anymore. <laughs> okay, Michael, thanks for calling. Uh, we also got Bernie on the line. Hey, Bernie. Hey, how's it going? Good. Good. Um, I have a couple of things about last night's thing, the ceremony. Uh, you know, it was cool to see everybody. I didn't, like, what order did they, like, you know, when they kept announcing all the players, what order was that in? It was random, like, man. Like, it was ridiculous. It was random. Like, yeah, I, well, like, I get it was random, but, like, why didn't they put it in alphabetical or some sort of thing? Like, it was so weird to see. I don't know. I just, I disagreed with that. And, like, the, my, biggest com- my biggest complaint about it was, like, it was a going away for the building, like, the last game of the building, and yet the, the Gene Principe and the other guys, didn't ask any questions about, hey, what was your favorite memory about the building? Like, one of them asked, I think it was Juan Lowe, oh, what did you think about Todd Marchant's overtime goal in Dallas? Like, this wasn't supposed to be about the Oilers. I wanted to hear stories about the building, like a night that Messi and Gretzky snuck strippers into after game fours, like stuff like that. Like, I don't know, do you agree with that? Like, there was nothing about the building itself. Uh, it was all about the Oilers. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, like, it, it has to be s- things that happen to people in the, in the building. So, Oh, for, and I get that, but, like, why are they asking about Todd Marchand's overtime goal in Dallas? Yeah, well, they I don't know, them. man. Like, I, I wasn't asking those questions. No, so. no, I get it. No, I get it. But, like, it, that, that was probably the biggest thing that kind of bugged me is, like, it, that should have been a standard question for everybody. What's your favorite memory of the game uh, of the building? Be it a concert, be it a game you played. Right. Well, I thought Anything that was like, I thought that was great when Messier talked about going to Fleetwood Mac. Like that was exactly. a nice little human moment for sure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I wanted. I wanted to hear everybody. Like, I bet you we could have heard some great stories or like you know, I don't know. That, like maybe I'm being a little too big. It, overall, it was pretty cool. But I don't know. I just I wanted to. It was supposed to be a send off of the building. And it seemed like another, hey, let's get together and ask the Oilers about them. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, Bernie. I don't know if you got to hear the, hear the documentary that uh, Dean Vince and I put together. No. I, I found it, I mean, just to give a little behind-the-scenes thing, I, I found it, I, I wanted to balance it. I mean, I know when, peop- when people, like the Oilers are such so huge in this city that everything has to be about them. Um, so I did an, uh, but I didn't want to do an eighties retrospective. So that's why I consciously put in other moments, like when Kevin Martin won the worlds here, right. Or what it was like, like Mark Lewis had a good behind the scenes story about Pat Burns getting somebody and it was getting mad at somebody. And it was only Mark Lewis, Pat Burns, and one other guy in the room. Right. And he, and he told that story. So, um, you know, that's, I, I tried to take it down that path a, a little bit. And, uh, you, I mean, you're right. Like, I referenced the Marchant goal because it was important to that era. But the, the big moment in that, in that series in Edmonton was the 3 nothing comeback at, at Rexall Place, or I think exactly. it was Sky Ridge. Yeah. And, like, even, like, just even the 06 run, like, oh, your favorite thing, oh, Pisani. Like, I don't know. I just felt like it should, that should have been a standard question across the board. And I bet you we could have heard some pretty interesting stories about Northland's Coliseum and not – Hey, and I love you. I'm the biggest Oilers fan. I love seeing Messi and Gretzky, and I love hearing those stories. But I wanted to hear what was your favorite Northland experience. It just 
to me, it just seemed to turn into another spoiler, tell some stories about them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sorry you are disappointed in that part oh. of it, Bernie. But if you could hey. tune 8 to 9 tomorrow, we'll have the documentary, and then you can tell me uh, what you thought of it if you want to tweet me or call me next week. Yeah, for sure. Right on. Thanks, Bernie. Thank you. All right. We're going to go to Barry on the line as well. Hey, Barry. Hey, that last caller, man. I mean, the Oilers built that building. What else are they going to talk about? Of course there was concerts, but come on. Like, that guy. <laughs> and also, Kelly Rudy is so out of touch with today's NHL hockey, it's not even funny. How so? Um, he called Ryan Nugent Hopkins a third-line center. He says Jordan Eberle is inept, basically. Um, and the guy was a barely adequate starting goalie. Kelly had some pretty good years. I mean, he was on the Canada Cup team in 1987. That was one of the best teams ever assembled. Yeah, as a third stringer. Well, him and Hextall took turns as the backup, yeah. <laughs> they, they were... Enough said. Enough said. Well, look, yeah, Kelly. Kelly comes on here to give opinion, Barry. But you know, and everybody's got one, and <laughs> like a butt, you know. And everybody's got one, man. But Kelly is so out of touch today; it's not even funny. Well, he's and the guy seems to hate Edmonton more, and he grew up here, and he hate, he lives in Calgary. He's got a little Calgary mansion. The guy's a joker. Well, he's pretty critical of, of 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 some of the players on the Oilers, and he's been open about it. He doesn't think that they work hard enough. Like I said, he's a second-string goalie. He was not even a great first-stringer. Okay. Thanks for calling, Barry. Thanks, man. All right. And we also have Marco. Or, oh, let me click that again. Hey, Marco, what's up? Yeah, I just wanted to say, uh, closing Rexall, it would have been cool if they would have wore their last jerseys because really – Prior to probably 77, 78, I got in on the Oilers in the Chipperfield and McLeod and Dryden days. But, uh, but I think that was good as far as Haruti calling out the Oilers. You don't get to be a bottom feeder team by working hard. And my little kid said it years ago. Why are they no good? Because their, their forwards were lazy. Sam Gagne was the epitome of that. So they've got to work harder and help the team too. Come back and, and angle off forwards, right? Yeah. But anyways, I'm glad Rexall's closed, and the Oilers were the biggest tenant. So it was mostly about the Oilers. Sure, there was the odd circus and rodeo, but the Oilers ruled that building. Well, yeah, last night was an Oilers night. Uh, I, I think that caller just meant, you know, maybe there were other specific stories that still might have been hockey-related or personal experience-related. Uh, uh, we got the documentary in this uh, hour tomorrow, Marco, so I hope you can listen if you haven't heard it already, okay? You betcha. Thanks. Okay. All right. Tell you what we're going to do. We're just going to – we'll just play – we'll play Pat Talbert tomorrow. How's that? I mean, the stuff about the Blue Jays is still going to be uh, relevant, so that's okay. I love talking to you guys, so thanks for calling in in this half hour. I do got to do a break and a final look at the scoreboard. It's 848 Inside Sports on Ched. <laughs> This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. By the way, some other news here. The uh, Canadian Football League approving the uh, proposed rule change to expand video review. So they're going to have the eye in the sky official who can uh, help out with calls and the calls that can be challenged by a coach will be expanded to include no yards 
called illegal blocks on kick plays, contacting or roughing the kicker or passer, and illegal interference at the point of reception on kickoff attempts. So the, the, uh, we had the, uh, Glenn Johnson, who's the uh, senior VP of, of football for the CFL, on a couple, of, a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, I guess, when these were fo- uh, first proposed. They're now approved. So the Eye in the Sky official will not call penalties, but he can help out when a flag is thrown, like was it offside or procedure, or telling them to, to pick up the flag. So that's how that's going to work. And the coaches can now challenge more plays. But they won't have more challenges. So they're hoping it won't slow down the game at all. All right. Time to check your Crystal Glass scoreboard. Crystal Glass, for all your glass needs, visit crystalglass.ca. Here's what's happening tonight. Busy night in the NHL. Dallas leads Colorado 3-1 with nine minutes left. Chicago out in front of St. Louis, 1-0, four minutes left in the game. No score, Anaheim and Los Angeles, that's seven minutes in. Calgary taking it to Vancouver tonight, 5-3 lead for the Flames. That is after two. Backland, a hat trick for Calgary. He's up to 21 on the season. No score, Jets and Sharks halfway through the first. The Bruins beating Detroit tonight, 5-2. The Lightning knock off the Devils, 4-2. Jonathan Drouin. Back in the Tampa Bay Lightning, he gets his third goal of the season. Islanders down the Rangers 4-1. In overtime, the Penguins beat the Capitals 4-3. Crosby gets his 36th of the season. The Maple Leafs in overtime. Jake Gardner, the game winner, 4-3. They beat the Flyers. Leafs and Oilers tied in the standings. Oilers have the tiebreaker. So 29th and 30th comes down to their games on Saturday. The Leafs play New Jersey. Of course, the Oilers play Vancouver. Senators down the Panthers 3-1. The Canadians beat the Hurricanes 4-2. And the Nashville Predators in overtime. Roman Yossi, the game winner. Predators beat the Arizona Coyotes by the score of 4-3. Jordan Spieth leads the Masters. Six under par, 66 in the first round. Danny Lee and Shane Lowry. Second right now. Tied for, or uh, they both shot 68s. All right. Uh, that's your Crystal Glass scoreboard. 7804960063. So the Blue Jays, uh, of course, getting ready for the home opener against the Boston Red Sox. Marcus Stroman will get the start. Stroman says the Blue Jays are a confident team. Said this uh, many times, but I think the mentality and the <clears throat> Hunger and the motivation of this group is very different from any other teams. Uh, we don't get distracted by any of the outside noise. We, we, we have one purpose when we show up each and every day. Uh, we take that mentality in the clubhouse and we go about our business um, as if we're going after to dominate each and every single day. All right, and manager John Gibbons saying he likes the look of this year's team. You know, it should be, should be a very good team, you know, for the, for the next six months. That, that's, that's our plan. I mean, you never really know how these things work out. Um, but we had a good spring. We played good baseball. For the most part, everybody came out healthy. A couple guys banged up now, but that's, I mean, nothing you can do about that. Um, worries, I don't, have, I don't have any worries. Other, You know, the key is staying healthy. He's not worried about anything. 
All right, so we'll have Pat Tabler on the show uh, tomorrow. Dave Campbell taped the interview with him earlier today, but I still want to run that because some interesting stuff from Tabler. Good to get him on the show. So uh, I guess we'll uh, play that interview while the Blue Jays' home opener is going on. But it, it'll it'll still be uh, relevant, obviously, and he's going to talk about that controversial ending to the game the other night when uh, Jose Bautista wound up getting called out for the interference on the slide at second base. Inside Sports on 6.30, Ched, we uh, had a little bit of a departure from sports tonight from 6.45 to 7. We brought you the premier Notley address to the province. Can Is that up on the Ched website, by the way? Do you know, Matthew? We'll get it up there. We'll get it up there uh, through our uh, application. All right, so the Oilers today have signed Nick Ellis to a two-year entry-level contract. He's a goaltender. He was in the NCAA with Providence College this season, went 25-7-4, and had a 9.36 save percentage. Three-year entry-level contract for Caleb Jones, who the Oilers took in the fourth round in 2015. You heard him on the show in the last hour. Uh, hopes that he can turn out to be a Ryan McDonough. That would be all right if that happens for him. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. You heard from Randy Hanch, the GM of the Edmonton Oil Kings. Kelly Rudy, some of you love him, some of you hate him. Gene Principe from Sportsnet and uh, a recap of last night's Oilers festivities. Thanks to everybody who called and texted. The studio producer this evening, Matthew Panaschik. The producer of the show is Dave Campbell. Oilers now with Bob Stoffer tomorrow. I believe Brendan Ulrich will be sitting in for Bob as Bob flies to Vancouver. Inside Sports tomorrow from 6 to 8. We'll also have Living the Dream with Brennan Evans, Camrose native. Lives in Edmonton in the offseason. He plays for the Texas Stars. 8-9, to nine, an encore presentation of our documentary, Rexall's Last Stand. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks so much for tuning in this evening. Have a great night. I love your precious heart. I, I was standing. You were there. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.